podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. LFC Day Trippers, brought to you by bookmakers.com. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the LFC Day Trippers. It is a no transfer knowledge show. I'm your host, Matt, joined tonight by Kev. Kev, how are you? I'm bouncing, mate. What a day. What a day. You know, it was like we all knew it was coming, but to get that first one over the line, first major transfer by any club this season, you know, in the door, done, dusted. And looking to move on for the next one. You could see, we were talking about it last night, to why it wouldn't be announced yesterday. And it made all the sense in the world not to announce it yesterday. When you saw the free run that we had today and you saw the airtime that the deal from McAllister got, yeah. it got what it deserved. It got headline news all day long, all across every every sports show, every radio phone in. Every, you know, the club really milked it for everything that it was worth. And yeah, what a deal. What a player. And delighted it's done. And now we look to move on onwards and upwards to pastures new because I'm sure that's not going to be the last one. No, I, it can't be. I'm the uproar if that was all of our transfer business for this window. Oh my, <laughs> the, the fume would be something else. I mean, I'm glad it got the airtime over there because it certainly didn't over here because we're in the middle of the Stanley Cup playoffs. So being in Canada, uh, literally all the sports channels talk about is the fucking Maple Leafs still somehow. I have no idea why, but. Uh, very good basketball and hockey going on right now. I know it's late for you guys to try to catch those games, but Nikola Jokic is an absolute freak when it comes to playing basketball. Check out the highlights on YouTube. The NBA Finals are fantastic. Uh, before we get into it, show tonight brought to you by bookmakers.com. So head on over to their website, get the best odds for uh, all of your gambling needs and desires. Possibly, you know, pick up a nice little cheeky wager on Liverpool, getting a double swoop for Kefram Turam and Caudio Kone. Over the line here in the next little while, you probably find some good odds for that. So, yeah, we had uh, the the joy that comes from seeing a new player, you know, sitting at the table, putting pen to paper, signing the contract, those first pictures in the new shirt, all the media that comes out from it, the fantastic AI generated song form, which is shockingly good. I, yeah, it's dangerously good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going to need to hear it with a Scouse accent as opposed to a robot voice. Uh, but that that could definitely that could definitely fly inside Anfield with the traveling pop next year, that's for sure. But moving on, I mean, just this evening, rumors are starting to come out of France. It looks like Jacques Talbot, who are Talbot, I imagine, Jacques Talbot, uh, who apparently has got some sort of ins in terms of French football connections, is leaking on his Twitter that Liverpool may have agreed personal terms with Kefren Turam. 
which I mean, talk about a bang bang situation. I mean, that's that's my favorite type of Liverpool transfer work is that Tiago Jada one right after the other. Yeah. Yeah, same with me. I mean, you go back to, um, I think I remember, I think it was myself, Gavin, Chris might have done a transfer prediction show back. It was around March time because it was around the international break and Kefren Toram's name came into the mix for us then. Uh, we were like, this kid is ripping it up in France and he's going to be a star. His dad was a mental player. You know, his dad was like the Rolls Royce player. You know, he was that good. And I knew of, I knew of his brother. I knew of Marcus Turam for, for for a while in Germany. He was playing really well, left winger, but big, a bit of a unit, you know. And I seen this guy coming out. This young Kefren Turam was like being reported as for how good Marcus was. Kefren's better. Go and check him out. Someone said to me, I was like, okay, so I checked him out. Checked out his YouTube video, what have you, as you always do. And you come away from thinking, how the hell is this kid still playing in Nice? And um, I just, in and out, kept an eye on what he was doing throughout the season. And, yeah, look, this this kid's going to be serious. You know, he's going to be a French international for a good 10 years. As long as he keeps his head straight, he's got all of the attributes to be a proper box-to-box centre-mid for France for years to come, irrespective of what club he goes on and plays with, whether it's us or whoever. I was, I'm amazed that PSG aren't all over him. But seeing as PSG have got rid of Crystal Galtier as their manager, and there is a bit of a flux going on there at the minute that um, we could maybe potentially steal a march. The reports are that um, Lilian Thuram is pushing him to join Liverpool and join Klopp. Yeah. It's not surprising, you know. It's it's not surprising. We forget how much of a pull, not just a pull that Liverpool as a club is. Right, Liverpool is a huge international club with you know worldwide reach. We know this as fans, but I think we we underestimate it ourselves because we just take it for granted that, that it's there. But for players from other countries, look on at Liverpool, and it's like that's the dream, the dream move. You know, it's the destination they want to be they want to be at. And it's not a surprise that Lillian Turam would want his son mentored by Jurgen Klopp. The fact that Jurgen Klopp isn't going to get sacked that he is in a stable position and in a powerful position at the club. And as long as Klopp would want him, Lillian Thuram is going to know that his son is going to get extremely well coached and bring him on leaps and bounds because of the club he's at, because of the manager he's at. So it's no surprise that Lillian Thuram would want his son playing at Liverpool. That doesn't surprise me at all. I just hope that a deal can be struck with Nice that's acceptable all around because I don't believe for a second that we're going to be able to pull the pants down of another club <laughs> with Brighton this summer because the price that we paid for Alexis McAllister is outrageous. It's absolutely outrageous business. Shawnee was saying on the transfer show the other night he would have been quite comfortable paying the 70 million. It would have been a bit of a gulp because there's risk mm-hmm. of 70 million, but you'd still pay it because he's that good. At 35 million, it's absolutely outrageous business. And it gives you leverage to be able to go and do more. But at the same time, Nice are going to... I like the fact that it's a, a figure that sets a bar for... It sets about a bar for a player because Chelsea, Chelsea's business in January ripped up the, the playbook for what transfer values are. The McAllister deal brought it back down to reality. You know, centre mids with a bit to prove 
35 to 45 rising to 50 million is good market value for a good market value price and if we're in and around the same fees for Kevin Toram maybe at around the 45 rising to 55 million mark I'm very comfortable at that yeah. you know any more than that and I would be looking at walking away because there are so many other fish in the sea as you found out tonight when you <laughs> yeah building. I, uh, I did do, uh, I mean, the show is called No Transfer Knowledge, so I tried to get at least up from absolutely no transfer knowledge. because like, <laughs> A I'll little bit to, of I'll, an inkling knowledge. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to admit, I mean, I don't know if I saw Turin play this year. I can pretty confidently say I haven't seen Kone play this year. I don't know if anybody's seen Gravenberch play this year. Like, really, out of the players that we're still linked with, like, I, I watched a lot of McAllister because Brighton was lovely to watch. And the majority of what I watch is Premier League games. And I'm, yeah, I'm talking yeah. like full 90s, not just checking out highlight packages and things set to, you know, EDM music. Uh, but it's that you talk about that risk level. And I mean, like, the 35 million, even if it rises to 55, that's totally fine. Let's deal with what we know. And that's it. We paid 35 million, you know, be amortized over the length of the contract. So you're talking 7 million a year. For Alexis McAllister, it's unbelievable. I mean, really, you could do that three times, and it equals one Enzo Fernandez. And yeah, I think I would rather have three of those thirty-five million players, especially if we're the guys that you're talking about. Uh, and like you said, I'm looking at a few of the different players there tonight. Like, there's some a good crop of midfield prospects that seem like they might be available to move this year, and look like they could fill some of the holes that we obviously have in our midfield. And it just makes me think, and maybe this is just me retroactively trying to make myself feel better, that there might have been some logical reasoning behind us being so useless when it came to bolstering our midfield in the last two transfer windows. Like it might have been that we had, you know, that list that was too many, Bellingham, maybe Valverde on that list, and we couldn't get any of those targets, and we decided to keep our powder dry because the next players down on the list the Kefren Turams, the Kones, you know, Lavia, Gravenberg, players like this, they need, we needed to have one more season, just like one more season. And let's see how these guys, like even McAllister, he came on leaps and bounds this season. You know, nobody coming into this season was going Liverpool should be signing Alexis McAllister. Maybe not nobody, but you know, it wasn't no. the big name. Yeah. And I think another player that goes to exemplify that and nobody's really talking about him anymore is Matthias Nunes. You know, after it yeah. came out that we had that agreement in place around the January window, people yeah, pulling their hair out going like, why did we let him go to Wolves for that year? Why didn't we sign this guy? We could use this guy right now. Well, I'll tell you what, I can't remember what the fee was. 38, maybe 40 some million pounds was the kind of. It was around the 42 million pound yeah. mark. Yeah. How would we feel now if that was an obligation to buy and 42 million of our pounds for our transfer budget went on Matthias Nunes, who did not pull up any trees this season. So it looks good. It seems like it's going to be a good summer for us to reinforce the midfield. Uh, I saved a comment here from Chris, which is, I also saw this coming up. Reports of a, a private jet that flew to Nice from Blackpool, and it's supposed to return tomorrow. So uh, there may be some legs <laughs> in the uh, in these rumors. The personal terms have been agreed. I know you're not entirely uh, sold on that idea. But let's talk about Kefren Turum then. So just turned 22 years old. He's six foot three, 180 pounds. I'm not entirely sure. Let's see if I got metric standings for you guys over there. 191 centimeters, 82 kilos. So he's a yeah, big, 
big unit. He's a, he's a unit. Wizard is asking me there if I know any of the details on the McAllister wage package. No, I don't. And the only person that reported a fee was Fabrizio Romano. Nobody else with any credibility re reported a fee, including Paul Joyce. Paul Joyce pointed people to the uh, figure that was released by, you know, Romano. Now, people can choose to believe that or not. That's up to them. I mean, at the end of the day, it is what it is. We we don't know the ins and outs. They reported it as, undis as an undisclosed fee. And the only one person that put out a figure was Romano. Everyone else is feeding off that. Whether it's true yeah. or not, we don't bloody know. But Kefren Turan, six for four, six for three, six for four. I think he's got room to fill out. I think at his age, he's still got a bit of uh, room to grow. I think he's a brilliant runner with the ball. He carries the ball. He's very kind of like, he's a midfield version of Joel Matip when he goes on a run. It looks, <laughs> I it love looks, that. So it, it looks like it shouldn't work, but it works. Kind of kind of go-go gadget legs going here, there, and everywhere, and he's just kind of all over the place, but he gets there. He's very good at, at carrying the ball 30 yards and just relieving pressure. He's not a, an out-and-out goal scorer from midfield, but he's got that in his locker as well. Um, I don't think he's a natural six, but I think he could develop into being a six. Personally, I could see him playing on either right or left eight, depending on what role he wants McAllister to play. If mm -hmm. he wants McAllister to play as a right-sided eight to link with Mo Salah, then could definitely see Turan being that stabilizer on the left-hand side, similar to what Curtis Jones was doing this season at the back end, where, you know, arrive late into the box for opportunities, but a general safe pair of hands on that left-sided midfield role. All the while, you've got Thiago to slot in when needed as well. So there's no mad rush for someone like that, someone like Kepler Durham to come in in August and be a seven and a half out of ten player on day one playing week in week out that's the beauty of the second midfielder that we bring in because McAllister has the experience of the league he's not going to be overawed by the pace of the Premier League yeah he's got to learn a new system but as we see even going by the interviews that were given by Adam Lallana the guy's got a football brain and Lallana was the one who quoted Luka Modric you know uh, if if we get a player of that intelligence, level of intelligence coming into our side at 24 years of age for 35 million pound and a World Cup winner, my God, Adam Lallana should never buy a pint again for the rest of his days for tipping nope. us off like. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, it, it's just one of those deals that doesn't happen every window. And I just hope that people don't expect that every deal going forward for the rest of the summer is going to be that good. I just I think this is such a freak deal. It's so weird that that transfer that it played out the way it did because you got to roll back. Alexis McAllister was going out of contract. He signed the extension before the World Cup. He went to the World Cup as a squad player who might come on for 10 minutes at the end of the games to rest players. He wasn't going there as a starter, far from it. He had a good start to the season at Brighton without ripping it up. But he went to the World Cup and he made the position his own when he started, when he was playing. And he kicked on from there. But he signed a contract before he went. And Brighton protected their asset at a value of £35 million with a say. Apparently, Brighton did have a say over what was going to happen. 
he was going to be allowed to go, but apparently there was a say in how a deal was going to be structured, maybe, or add-ons or something like that, how that would be structured. But that was a really low fee now. But if you give it the context that the World Cup hadn't happened, he was going as a squad player, and Argentina were tip, but not really strongly fancied. You know, it's a, it's a fair reflection of where McAllister's career was at pre-World Cup. Post-World Cup, if Brighton could have their time again, I'm sure that fee would be doubling, that buyout close would be doubling, especially looking at what Enzo Fernandez went for. So, look, fortune favours the bold and the brave, and McAllister, McAllister took the risk of signing the deal that it might have gone tits up for him, and he could have been staying at Brighton for a few years. It just mm-hmm. turned out for us really well, and I'm pretty sure that the club were tipped off early to the, to the contract. They had to be. Because yeah. there's no way you could be that far ahead of, this, of everyone else without having an inkling of something was in the wind. Yeah, because there's no shortage of teams that need to bolster their midfield. You know, there there would be plenty of plenty of teams that would have been interested in a guy like Alexis McAllister, and I would imagine the same will be true for Kefren Turam. I mean, uh, just going, I was using FB Ref just to look at some of his statistics. Uh, the players that he was comparable to, out of the names that I recognized at least. Uh, Keenan Dewsbury Hall, Alex Awobi, Gavi from Barcelona, uh, Anguisa from Napoli, and Nicola Barella. So I, that's not terrible uh, company to be in. His standout statistics, progressive carries, successful take-ons, touches in the opposition box, all of them in the higher percentiles for players in his similar position, having played a certain number of minutes to qualify for the statistics you're talking a guy that picks the ball up and likes to drive it at the defense and run at them. It's something that we don't really have in the team. Not from midfield. And, Joe Curtis yeah. can do it, but he's, he's, it's not really his, his forte and having, I mean, McAllister can do it. No problem. But the other side of it is if I think he'd be brought in, first of all, as an option to rotate. You know, it, I I don't see him being coming in, someone like him coming into a side to Liverpool side and starting. But I think he could develop into an absolute super midfielder, and he'll be given plenty of time. There's going to be lots of games to be played next season, and we know how much the engine room in our side, how much work it gets through in a game. You know, no midfield really works more than ours in a season, so. Clot will look to rotate that area of the pitch heavily. So having the numbers to be able to do it, you'll get plenty of time and you'll get plenty of chances. So it's one I hope. I mean, I've seen a lot of people in the chat saying there um, that more and more people are reporting now that um, that we've had contact with his agent and personal terms and stuff. The big obstacle I can see in this deal could be Nice. Could be what Nice are demanding and what other clubs decide to come in because there's no doubt in my mind that there are going to be club he's he's cards are going to be marked as he's a, he's not an unknown quantity so we'll see i mean red zavi there saying ibu was the france under 21 captain had both kone and Turam in his in his team yeah and they're still in the france under 21 squad for the upcoming euros that start i think france's first game is june 24th i think Memory, if memory serves me, so the French. I know how, you know how the French squad works, whether it's at youth level or at senior level. They'll let players go 
out to sort out contract issues up to a certain point, and then they'll be like, that's it. Now you're focused on France, and you don't discuss anything to do with clubs until after you're out of the tournament. So you might be on the clock with getting this one done, but by the hope is that mm-hmm. we're down the line with a lot of these deals anyway. So, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, And I mean, the winds are blowing favorable for this one. I mean, if you, even if you disregard the rumors of, you know, personal terms and flight trackers and whatnot, uh, he's <laughs> under contract until 2025. So he's going into the final two years of his contract. He's on about 17,000 euros a week playing for Nice. I'm not entirely sure what the financial situation of Nice is, of whether they need to sell or, you know, how their owner acts because I can't recall us having done a lot of business with Nice in the past. I mean, I think a big transfer is coming out of Nice. I know they got a pretty good chunk of change out of Fulham for uh, Jean-Michael Sarri a few years ago, yeah. and he didn't really yeah. pan out. I don't uh, know myself, mate. I, I I just think that Nice, along with an awful lot of clubs in France outside of PSG, are selling clubs. You know, they're literally developing players to sell to develop more players to sell. PSG, they're quite clubs in France are quite happy for PSG to dominate the league, win the league, and do well in Europe because whenever PSG come to their ground, it's a sellout. And the eyes of the world are on the French League because of PSG. You know, mm-hmm. and the TV deals that they're all part of is because of PSG. If it wasn't for PSG's money and the players that they've bought through the years, nobody'd be watching the French League. It would be like Liga Nos in Portugal. Nobody's bothered watching that either, and that's broadcast over here, and nobody could care less. You know, it's it's unless you're a real football junkie. You know, people's eyes aren't on the French league, and oh, everybody's watching the Saudi league now. I mean, come on, give me a break. Well, if you want, you know, I think you'll find next season with the amount of money they're going to plow into it and they'll give away the TV rights for peanuts. Hmm. The broadcasts, and it, it broadcasts at a time of day without competition. It, it's, um, they will get TV TV audience figures, no doubt in my mind. And they will get more eyes watching that league because of the players who are going to be playing in it than the French league, than Ligue 1, you know, do on worldwide TV rights. No doubt in my mind whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, uh, Laszlo's pointing MLS out... MLS the same. MLS the same. Yeah. Well, MLS has an unbelievably good broadcasting deal with Apple. The fact that Apple carries all their games, and if you have Apple TV, you get access to all their games, you know, with yeah. no blackout blackouts anywhere in the country. And, I mean, you add Messi on top of that, and it's going to start drawing a lot of eyeballs in. So, well, good on it's not just Messi now. Game. It's not just Messi now, because apparently... Um, Miami are looking to bring the band back together. Angel Di Maria, Sergio Busquets, uh, Luis Suarez. Um, they're looking to, MLS are looking to develop their league again before the World Cup, get the eyes of the world back watching MLS, grow the brand again for a push for the hosting of the World Cup with Canada, the US, and Mexico. And it's what they've done before, and, and no doubt in my mind they'll do it again. But at the same time, they're not competing anywhere near, anywhere close to the money that's been pumped in through Saudi Arabia at the minute. No, and I mean, the, the thing it has going for it is there's a, obviously a decent in North America, you know, Canada, the United States especially. There's been a huge growth in the number of people that are watching football. 
you know, it's a far more popular sport to watch. And the fact that the time difference means that if you like watching football, I mean, it's my preferred sport. I'm not going to watch MLS games because I like watching baseball too. But like the games in England are on early morning for me. Once it gets to the time when the MLS games are on, it's late in the evening for me. So there's not a lot of competition. Like if you don't like the traditional North American sports and you're a soccer fan, the MLS is kind of it for you because it's it's a little bit more difficult to get, you know, the Brazilian league or the Argentine league or whatever up here that this this is what you got to watch is MLS. So, I mean, hey, good for them. Uh, yeah. Let's get back to talking about hopefully our next newest signing through the door, Kefren Turam. He's. He seems quite durable. Last season, he played 35 league games, uh, 10 in the Europa Conference League. He got two goals, seven assists across all competitions, which, I mean, I know we're not supposed to mention the uh, dreaded X statistics on here. but Oh, no, was, you crack on. It's, I, it's not a gospel, but it's also not total garbage. So he no. slightly underperformed his expected goals. He slightly overperformed his expected assists. So that tells you, like, tells me at least, my reading of the statistics was that he didn't have a ridiculous outlier of a season. And there's a player we're going to get onto uh, a little bit later in the show that I feel might have had a ridiculous outlier of a season uh, and might be throwing people for a little bit of a loop. Not a ton of offensive output. But like you said, that carrying the ball up the field, where he really kind of falls down in terms of his lower statistics, uh, doesn't pass the ball very much in a game, only averages about 48 passes attempted in a game, doesn't attempt a lot of progressive passes. He's in the bottom third of players in his position for number of tackles, one in a game. And and this is a big red flag with everybody uh, with the Mickey Vandevan conversation. Doesn't win a lot of aerial duels, which for a guy that's 6'3", 6'4", somewhat surprising but mm. given the position that he plays on the pitch i don't think a lot of those are real deal breakers i mean if you're picturing no. him as a left or a right side at eight in our system you don't really need to be a tackling machine and you know breaking up the play sort of thing there's there's a fabinho or the next person we're going to talk about in terms of kone uh and then trent sitting there in that new hybrid double pivot position for that it feels very similar to Curtis Jones, and I got I got some of his numbers up here compared with Curtis Jones. In terms of carrying the ball and moving the ball up the field, comparable to Curtis Jones, I also looked at Gravenberch's stats from his last year at Ajax because the current season at Bayern, he barely played enough minutes to even register for the statistics. Exactly. Gravenberch's stats look a little bit better, but again, he was in a, a pretty dominant Ajax team but hopefully would be coming to a pretty dominant Liverpool team. He's about the closest, I would say, from just a very cursory hour or so of looking through the stats and comparing between players, is the the closest person I would link him to, to other players that we've been linked with, would be Gravenbridge. And yeah. it's just a matter I, of kind of pick your poison. Yeah, for me, the big red flag with Gravenbridge is he went with a lot of hype to Bayern. And... Bayern have had two managers, uh, three if you include Tuchel, and none of them played him for 90 minutes once. None of them. So what are they seeing? What are all of them seeing in training to suggest that he's not good enough to play 90 minutes? He's a bit power player for Bayern. And I understand the move. He wasn't exactly moving from a small club. Ajax are a big club. Mm-hmm. Ajax are the type of club in Holland that are expected to win every single game. So he knows what the pressure is like to be under that spotlight. Moving to Bayern Munich, it's the same pressure. It's just a bigger club. 
So that shouldn't have phased him. It, it's the it's the fact that it was a different culture, different country, and he didn't adapt. And the fact that no manager stuck their neck out and said, "Yeah, I'm going to accommodate you in my midfield." It just didn't happen. They they even loaned Sabitzer out to Manchester United in January, and he still it's didn't get a game. Still, still didn't play him. Yeah, that that's huge red flags for me. That. Yeah, at the right price, I could understand the gamble, but it would have to be extremely right price because, and I'm talking like 2025, absolute tops. Fine, you want to put add-ons on to justify it down the line for Bayern. Uh, If it works out all well and good and you put a good sell-on fee on, or sell-on, maybe a sell-on clause onto it, fine. But... I definitely wouldn't be taking any risks on buying a Ryan Gravenberg for me, not at all. Whereas Turam, I'd take a gamble on for sure. Kone, I'm not convinced on, but then I can only judge that of watching a 90-minute game of him once against uh, Dortmund this season, and he was poor. But at the time, Dortmund were flying, and he was playing in a side who weren't. So I'm not going to hold that over him at the end of the day. Same age as 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 Toram. His stats are, are good for what he does. He's good at he's 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 tack he's a tackling machine. He breaks play up. I'm not convinced that he's got the passing range or the um, awareness on the pitch. I don't think it's 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 where you'd want it to be. But again, that's a work in progress. That's something that you can develop because I don't see him. Dislodge as someone like him dislodging Fabinho straight away. I think that would be the end goal. That maybe next season he would be the one that you'd say would might be ready to step into Fabinho's role. But I think it would take him. It would take him time to get there. It's parts of his game are really good. He's aggressive. He's strong. He's he's physical. He's uh, quick enough to get around the pitch. But I think there's a a, a lot of it in his game that needs to get a lot better if he's going to be a mainstay in the Liverpool side. But again, he's young and time is his friend. Like, but the price has to be right. Yeah. You know, at, for me, you if you're going above 45 million euro for any, or 45 million pounds, so 55 million euro to buy any player, any midfielder, you need to be buying someone who's starting. And I don't see Kefren Toram or... Manu Kone starting straight away. I think eventually they might, but I don't see them starting straight away. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, I think the, you, you have to get the price right to justify the move. Yeah, that's McAllister. I can see as being a you know opening game of the season starting. You know, like pick your pick your cup final team for next season, and let's say we got these guys in. I don't know if you're going to say you know you've got a cup final or a must win Champions League game. Are you going to be picking a Kone or a Turam over Jordan Henderson, you know, if he's not in a terrible run of form just because of the leadership intangibles and all the things that go along with it. But I, we've kind of shifted onto the Kone talk. So let's have a little chit chat about him. He's five foot 11, 160 pounds. Also just turned 22. Uh, He's on about 7,000 euros a week. Again, contracted until 2025. So entering the second last year of his contract. He played virtually every minute of the 30 league games that he played last year. I, out of the 30 starts that he made, he played the full 90 every time. So 
to, yeah. I mean, to me, that's telling you, you know, he's got the stamina, he's got the endurance to be able to go out there and play and play and play. The comparables to him were eight French dudes who honestly, I don't know if I've ever heard of any of them. And then the <laughs> final two were uh, Krunich from AC Milan and uh, Marco Verratti from PSG. Yeah. So that's a- another different type of player. Uh, he stands out successful take-ons much like Turam. He's actually, I believe, even higher than Turam. Yeah, he has more successful take-ons than Turam. Lots of blocks, lots of tackles, good pass accuracy. But like you said, doesn't really pass the ball a lot. So low on pass attempts, doesn't get forward very often. Uh, also struggles with aerial duels and clearances, but not super surprising. Those are more center back, you know, fullback kind of traits to look at. So you mentioned you were kind of concerned about his lack of passing ability. And as I was going through these stats, I was thinking about it and thinking, you know, where, because trying to think of where they're going to play, you know, in the system. So McAllister, you know, left eight, maybe right side eight, depending on the game or who he's going to be playing with. I'm presuming going forward, because I haven't seen us linked with a player that makes me think they're going to take Fabinho's starting position for next season. Yeah. So I'm going in under the assumption that next season, if we line up in the 4-3-3 and play in our hybrid system, that it's going to be question mark, Fabinho, McAllister, or McAllister, Fabinho, question mark. You know, maybe Henderson on one of those sides or you know, looking Tiago, Fabinho, McAllister, or something like that. Yeah. If you bring in a guy like, I'm going to say Quadio Kone to play in that six and to deputize for Fabinho or just to be there. So if, if Fab has another kid next year and completely <laughs> falls off a cliff again, and we need somebody to step in there and play in that d- double hybrid pivot with Trent, the number of passes that he has and his progressive passing and all those things, they all of a sudden don't matter at all anymore. If you're 10 feet away from Trent Alexander-Arnold. Yeah, yeah. All you got to do is give him the ball back. And to me, that was like, oh, okay, now I can see how this can work. Where where he's lacking in are the things that Trent Alexander-Arnold is world-class in. And the way that we played, you know, two weeks now coming up on since Liverpool played a game, but the way that Trent would drift across the midfield and just play those little interchanges with Fabinho or with the center halves, just to get in that little bit of space and open up. And then next thing you know, bang, he's playing a long ball, big switch crossing the field. Fabinho doesn't have huge, you know, he's got that little chip ball he likes over the top, but he's not big on long progressive passes or anything like that. It's really, I think in this new system, and I said this many times before, it's to get the best out of Trent because he's the most important player in the squad, I feel. And if you can just be there to keep the ball. And I mean, I didn't watch Kone play a match. I certainly have watched his YouTube highlights. He certainly seems to keep the ball very well under pressure. Mm. And if you can keep the ball under pressure, draw one or two pressing opposition players to you, and then lay it off to Trent Alexander-Arnold in that little bit more space. Yeah. I'll take that all day. <laughs> uh, I'll, no, that's not happening. We had that discussion once, and it's not happening. Uh, no, listen, um, some people in the chat were saying that um, we don't need these players to come in and start straight away. You're right, we don't. But we don't. As long as you're paying 40, 45 million euro, you don't need them to be starting straight away. If all of a sudden that price jumps to being 60 million for a Catherine Torum or 50, 55, 60 million, then you, for that kind of money, you need to be buying players 
who are almost like the done deal, the finished product. Well, let me play devil's advocate to that point then, Kev, because in terms of modern day figures and adjusting for inflation, we would have paid about 60, 70 million for Fabinho. You know, it took him a little bit to get up and running. You know, he was gradually introduced into the team. And I think that the team at the time didn't have that. Like we were missing that in the team. Like it was so obvious that what we were missing was a good central defensive midfield, somebody to take that six role. The fact that he wasn't rushed in, whereas now we've got Fabinho, we've got Henderson, we've got Tiago, you know, Alexis McAllister should be able to hit the ground absolutely running and burst Mm -hmm. out of the gates and fit into this team, hopefully like a glove. You know, Curtis Jones having a bit of a resurgence in there. Like, we do have experienced players that even if you've got to go for – because, I mean, like, another name that's been linked to us, we can just kind of jump around here a little bit, for around that 45, 50 million pound mark is a guy like Romeo Lavia. Yeah, I'm not really sold on him either Um, because I don't believe for a second if he didn't have Man City links in his um, previous life you'd be talking about him in any way, shape, or form at that price. Just solely on the season he's had at Southampton, there is no way in God's green earth he's worth that money. Just He just isn't. There is nothing in his game that says he's worth anywhere near close to that, apart from the fact that he came through Man City's academy and he's homegrown. Bingo. That's it. There is nothing in his game to justify that kind of price tag. Right, but I mean that that does raise a valid question of having lost Milner and Oxlade Chamberlain from the squad. Right. The let me just get were, my let me just get my yeah. calculator up. My <laughs> I see you've got an easel and a chart there to yeah. kind of go through this all to us. But I mean, just on the basic numbers, without getting too far into the maths of homegrown quotas and whatnot, is we've lost two and replaced none of them. So, and none of the players that at least I've been looking at, not one of them counts as homegrown. Now they won't have to, some of them won't have to be registered, you know, like somebody like Lavia would count as homegrown, but he's still young enough that he won't have to be registered for the team. That's a different, that's a different workaround. Like, again, if we're, if we're going to do this homegrown talk, I would highly suggest to everybody to not think about it of you need eight homegrown players. You need to think about it as you can only register 17 non-homegrown players. I find, to me at least, that makes it a lot easier to wrap my head around it. That yeah. if you don't have enough homegrown players, you just don't register a full squad. And that's fine. You can go ahead and do that. Uh, yeah. We're not being linked with anybody without getting into We're kind of just sticking mostly to uh, midfield talk tonight. You know, now that Mason Mount's talk seems to have gone uh, entirely towards Manchester United, none of the players that we're looking at are homegrown. No. So is, uh, is, does that not give some value to a player like Lavia, the fact that he would qualify as homegrown? No, because he doesn't count. And by the time he does right, count... For the, for the future, because, you know, you're going to sign no, no, him to a five-year but, contract. So, But by the, by the time he does count, we already have other players coming into the equation next next season that we will be used, that we can use, that are available to us. That will will kind of end this homegrown debate once and for all because the um, when they invested in youth players for the academy a few years ago when they potentially saw this one coming down the line, 
this year was the kind of a you have to get through this one to get to the promised land kind of thing. So I ain't too worried about that. Curtis Jones comes into the equation this season where he never did before. You still got uh, Joe Gomez, Trent Alexander as your club-grown players. Nat Phillips also counts as homegrown and club-grown. So does Seth Van der Berg. Yeah, so does Seth Van der Berg if we decide to keep him, um, which I think is a very real possibility. Uh, there's a lot of talk came out of uh, Germany that Schalke are desperate to get him back. But because they've been relegated and it's thought that if Liverpool do want Sepp to go on loan, it would be to a club in the Bundesliga or in the Premier League. Um, they don't want to... He's already done a loan in the Bundesliga too. So but that's by the by. Uh, the fact that they've signed Adrian, they're looking to sign Adrian for another deal, makes, makes me think that the club aren't worried about the homegrown issue at all, that they've got this one covered off somewhere down the line. Maybe there is a, a player that they've done the deal or done everything the groundwork on that they know is coming but is involved at the moment in something else like be it internationals or other competitions that is homegrown and i don't know i'm just throwing out that i think there's definitely something that the club have up their sleeve that fixes this problem um i'm not as worried about it this summer as i was last summer because last summer i knew mm. it was a big issue this summer, I'm not so worried about it. Uh, one player I hope we're really taking a strong look at, I've said it in the Telegram chat enough times now, is Mark Wehi. Uh Really like the look of him. Uh, Crystal Palace, I think he's got all the prospects of being a really good left-sided centre-back. Potentially could play that third centre-back if you wanted to rotate Virgil. I think he'd be very, very good at it. Um, but that's one for, you know, just to keep an eye on is see what happens with him in the summer. Well, as for uh, for incomings, I can see us bringing in four players. I don't see them being four midfielders. I don't even see us bringing in. I could, I could definitely see us bringing in another one midfielder, and then a centre back, and then see where the land lies as to what we might need at the back end of the season to go with one more. Be that a forward if something comes up, if something suddenly becomes available. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> this is why you guys are watching the show. Hit that like yeah. button because according to Hit Red the like Chabby, button. It's called NTK for a reason. <laughs> NTK. Yeah. Red Chabby saying that Kev's confirming that Declan Rice is coming to Liverpool. I, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, Red Chabby. I would be a humongous fan of that. I think Declan Rice is a fantastic football player, but the cost for him is going to be fairly large, probably in the uh, – nine-figure range, I would imagine. Well, for... the, the talk today was at around nine... The, I mean, David Sullivan did an interview today on TalkSport that all but confirmed that he's going to be... Leave, that he's played his last game for West Ham. Um, that's not a surprise. We all kind of knew that, you know, Declan Rice is going to be going in the summer. £90 million is the price that has been touted around. And look, if Arsenal want to go that big, £90 million on Declan Rice good luck you know what i mean it it's uh it's a massive commitment because it's not just the 90 million yeah kev ball saying 92 it's not just the 90 million as we've seen with the jude bellingham deal you know the, the jude bellingham deal is the second biggest deal that real madrid have ever done you know and it's um 
the guy that's ahead of him has just literally had his contract ripped up by Real Madrid and turfed out the door. It hasn't really kicked the ball in anger in three years. So what not all these big... Seven, seven goals in four years for Hazard? Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? Because going to Madrid, it was stepping up you know, to, from Chelsea to Real Madrid. He was up there with the Leo Messi's. He was right on the, the cusp of breaking that glass ceiling into that level of player. And it just didn't work out. It just goes to prove that just because you pay big money guarantees you nothing. It guarantees you a big payout, a big contract you got to pay. Not just the transfer fee. The Jude Bellingham wage, as reported, the gross wage is €400,000 per week. Now, that's a huge commitment for any one club. And when you think about it, that however long that contract is, how the hell do you renew that contract? <laughs> Where do you go from four hundred grand a week to renew it? Let alone the disruption that that size of contract can cause within a dressing room. And at the end of the day, I can definitely understand why I think Liverpool could have matched that, but I don't think we could have done much else. I think it would have been lunacy, personally. But at the same time, he's a fantastic footballer, and I hope the move works for him. I genuinely do, because I think He's just a serious talent that you hope it works out for him. But my God, I'd, I'd be having kittens if I was seeing our club commit to that level of investment in one player. Yeah. Especially That's the first saw, I've heard of it. The yeah, numbers in with, terms of what his contract is. It's, it's mental. It's When you think about it, that fact that Dortmund needed to win their last game of the season and he was not named on the bench and he couldn't come on because his knee is wrecked. He... His knee has been bandaged up since January. He needs he reportedly needs a knee up. And Madrid are willing to commit that much on this kid. Good luck to him because I'm kind of glad that we walked away at that. That is just nuts to me. That to me puts the stability of the club in jeopardy. Yeah. For that level of investment in one player. I think it's mad. I think it's absolutely yeah, nuts. It- if if you're talking four hundred thousand a week, it might not even have been Liverpool walking away. It might very well have been his camp, you know, whoever's in charge of planning out his future for him. Going, we've been offered four hundred thousand a week from Real Madrid. Would you be willing to match that? And there is, I don't think there's a Liverpool fan in the world that thinks that anybody in our ownership or management structure would agree to that, because you just lay know. down on a pe- like. A, Write out on a piece of paper what Mo has done for this team and what he had to do to get to the level that he's at, and that's not four hundred thousand a week. And go, like, I think he's an got- unbelievably talented football player, and there's there's a potential that you've missed out on a generational talent. And we look back on these, you know, this summer in five years' time, and we're really kicking ourselves, going, "Why didn't you yeah. pay him four hundred thousand? Oh, yeah. You know, you know, spent." That's entirely possible, or it could be a. Gord Kluzak moment, you know, a player that goes number one overall in the draft and he's going to be the next big thing. And then they do their knee in and you never see him ever again. And they become a trivia question. And you know, all- like all of these things are possible, but there's no way that we were going to absolutely dynamite our wage structure to get Jude Bellingham in. And if that's what he was after and that's what he felt he deserved to be paid, then he was never going to come to Liverpool. And I guess I have to make my peace with that, even though it sucks. But if yeah. we can get, I because I mean, even if you think of McAllister on, I don't know, maybe one hundred and fifty thousand a week, I can't imagine he's at 
more than Trent currently is on. And I think Trent's, no. what, 180 or something like that. If you look at bringing in guys like Durham and Kone that are on under 20 grand a week sort of thing, you'd be bringing those players in at, you know, 70, maybe 100K a week, probably not even that much. You not know, 75. That. Yeah. So 70, 75,000 a week. And then you think of the, what, half a million that we've dropped off of our wage bill with the four players that have left who yeah. are all on, you know, big contracts as senior players in the team. Yeah, I think it's I think it's over half a million uh, that we've shed. That helps because our wage bill is pretty damn high. You know, one of the highest in the league, if not, I think, if you add in agent Third. fees. Third yeah. or fourth highest in the league. Yeah. Um, look, I mean, at the end of the day, how many – if I was to ask you that, give me four names because I believe that we're signing four and then after that – it could be one in, one out. Mm. So I think if anyone asks to leave, I think the club will facilitate it and try to make it happen as long as we can get someone in to replace them. So if Creeping Kelleher does ask to leave, I think he'll be allowed to leave as long as we can get someone good enough to come in and it's a deal that we're happy to do. I think it'll be along those kind of lines. Same for Joel Matip, same for, you know, pretty much anyone else after that. I think there'll be four spaces filled in the squad. Where do you see that that happening? And throw your your ring around four four names. And see, Inclu- see where we so go. we're we're gonna count McAllister as one, obviously. Oh, yeah. uh, I think I think we're gonna get both of these French lads. I think we're gonna get both uh Kone and Taram. Just from looking at their numbers from the last season, they seem like different players. They don't seem like carbon copies of each other. And it seems like that would work in our system. They're at a good age. They're both should be available at prices that are not outrageous or eye-watering. They should both be coming in with reasonable wage demands that fit into the structure and allow for growth. You know, put them on bonus incentivized contracts or something like that to, you know, give them that extra carrot to go forward. So I think we're going to end up with McAllister, Taram, Kone, and then somebody at center half. Uh, who that is, I don't know. I think, I know some of the people in the chat find the homegrown chat to be a little bit boring. I think it might be a homegrown player. I think you might be looking. You mentioned Mark Gahey. Uh, I've been a big fan of Nathan Collins this season. I was yeah. uh, not shy about mentioning it in the Telegram chat. Fell out of favor a little bit at the end of the season with Wolves after Lapetegi came in. He kind of lost the spot to Craig Dawson, but I'm okay with that. The other guy, the, the other player at Wolves, Max Kilman, I think would maybe even be a better option. I didn't even realize he was English. Yeah, I, I didn't realize yeah. that he would count as homegrown. You know, Max Kilman, he plays on the left side. He's played in a back three. So in theory, he could play that left back, left center back role when we're playing mm-hmm. in our hybrid system. Again, decent price. You should be able to get him out of Wolves for a half decent price. He won't be commanding a huge wage. You know, I, I think something like that. So I would say that. I mean, it would be great to get somebody like Levi Colwell or, you know, push the boat out completely and go for Josco Vardial. But I think that I think that defender is going to be a homegrown defender. Uh, So I'll I'll say one of the two Wolves guys, whether it's Kilman or uh, Collins, who will count as homegrown, even though he is Irish. Goalkeeper. I think even if Kelleher leaves, I think with Adrian staying around, I know somebody was asking in the chat, why did we give Adrian another contract? We were talking about this before the show. We've lost a lot of leadership. You know, as much as we might not have liked, not so much Nabi Keita, I doubt he was really anywhere close to a leadership role in the team. But 
Alex Oxlade Chamberlain Chamberlain was a veteran player. He was, you know, friends with Henderson and Milner. We've lost Milner. We've lost Bobby Firmino. We've lost some veteran players that bring leadership and stability to the group. Losing a guy like Adrian is also not going to help with that. We've got new Spanish speakers in the squad. He's there to be that bit of a go-between in between them. I'm totally okay with that. Like those, those Latin American guys and the Spanish guys, they really all seem to get along. Like you saw the pictures yeah. from when Bobby was leaving that they like their families all seem to hang out together, which makes complete and total sense. Uh, and I think we just stand pat with the forward line and I get the strangest feeling that your four players are going to be different than mine. I don't think they're going to be too far different. Um, I'm looking at seeing some of the lads in the chat there. They're all coming pretty much to Amanda say, I mean, obviously McAllister, Kone Turam are getting a lot of love in the room. Uh, seeing um, Pavard, Urian uh, Timber, um, who was the other one? Um, Kyle Walker Peters. Kyle Walker Peters, another one. Interesting. Um, yeah, uh, who's it that's sit there? Uh, Paul Giovanni saying there a cheeky bid for Jacob Ramsey. Mm, you'd like I, that? I, I think Jacob Ramsey. I th- I'd throw two wild cards in it. You know, okay. Do it. If if we don't go for that stability, that rock. Eight in a corner tour. If we turn around and say, okay, Henderson and Fabinho can rotate in the six for the season. Fabinho will be your mainstay. Trent, because it's it's almost like a four, a three-two-five with the two sitting in midfield being one is being Trent and is Trent and Trent plus one. Mm-hmm. Trent Fabinho, Trent Henderson, Trent Thiago, uh, Stefan comes into that equation that can play in that role as well. What if we turn around and end up signing a similar player to McAllister to play on the other side? Someone who could play high up as an ace on the left-hand side as well as McAllister could do on the right-hand side. And you potentially bringing into the discussion Florian Witz. Sorry, Florian Wirtz. You're bringing in Jacob Ramsey into that conversation. You're... um, you know, you're, you're looking at a different profile of player. The one from Holland that got uh, linked today, Orkan Koku, <laughs> um, 22 years of age, Feyenoard captain. Feyenoard won the Dutch League this year for my ex. Um, as I said, he's been at Feyenoord all his career. He's two-footed. He's about 5'9", naturally good footballer, predominantly a centre mid who is in the mold almost like a Tiago who rotates the ball. He looks after it. He just ticks things over. He he keeps playing moving, but he moves it quickly. And uh, he's a he's right up there with probably the best midfielder in Holland last season statistically. And I think I know he's linked with Ren, but I think he could be the type of player that the club could go for if you decide to go for that that type of player where you don't stifle the growth of Stefan Bacetic in that sixth role long term by signing another two players of similar similar qualities to to come into that role where you end up and you could end up bringing in a more advanced eight someone who's a 10 at another club who could drop into that role you saw it with Bernardo Silva Bernardo Silva at Man City was a 10, was a winger who reverted back. Genie at um, Newcastle, a 10 who reverted back into being an eight. Uh, 
arguably Cody Gakpo can do that role if you wanted to bring in nine to challenge with Darwin Nunes. There's options. This is what I mean. Going into this window, we have options and different ways that we can attack this window. If they decide to go down the, you know, the Kefaturam route or Kone, I think it'll be one or the other. I don't think it'll be both. I think it'll be one or the other. I think it, I, the, there's too much noise around Kefaturam that isn't being shut down. So mm-hmm. I think there's a, I think there's more potential there. So say, McAllister's in Kefaturam. I think a centre back is going to be high up on the list. I wouldn't be surprised if Mark Gray, Nathan Collins, you said. Maybe Konza could be worth a look because Aston Villa are be you've got Diego Carlos coming back after his horrific injury last season. He'll be available for Villa. You got Villa being linked with Harry Maguire, but they're also linked with um Pau Torres. So uh Konza could be frozen out or could become available at Aston Villa. Oh, and uh, Emery's got the uh, Via Real link with Pau Torres, doesn't he? Exactly. So if mm-hmm. if uh, Aston Villa are looking at bringing it, you know, I'd imagine they'd be looking to keep Tyrone Mings, got Diego Carlos, Pau Torres, Harry Maguire. Suddenly, look, I, I not my problem. It's an Aston Villa problem. But they didn't actually suddenly, sign Harry Maguire, have they? They're 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 being linked with him. But look, I'm not going down that road. I I, think that's, I, I don't have enough painkillers in my in my medicine cupboard to cover that conversation. Oh, but it's, that's, it it could hilarious. mean that someone like um, your man at Villa could become available. His name escapes me. I've said it about four Ezra, Ezra Conza. Ezra Conza yeah. becomes available in this window that wasn't available before. See, it all depends on what other business is done at clubs as to see what what could become available. Max Kilman, I like actually. Max Kilman reminds me an awful lot of uh, Joel Matip. Technically, a very good footballer. For, he was a futsal player for his youth his youth days, so he can play. He can carry the ball. I don't think he's a brilliant defender personally, but he's a good footballer, and he could be used as a squad option because I think down the line. I wouldn't be looking to make too many roadblocks in the way of Kwanzaa coming through either. I think he desperately needs a good loan this season. But I think down the line, he's going to be one to look out for for us. He's going to be a savage player. you know. But there's an awful lot of pressure as well on, on uh, Joe Gomez this season to find a way of getting confidence back into his game. Because I think with Joe Gomez, it's, you don't have to go too far back at the club where he was first choice with Virgil. And it, it wasn't even a question. It was Joe Gomez, Virgil van Dijk, and it wasn't a discussion. It, yeah. it was like pre-injury and post-injury, he's just lost that confidence, lost that uh, confidence in himself. I don't think it's technical ability. I think the players that he's coming up against in the league are that big quicker. And I think maybe he's just not as, as trusting in his body as he needs to be. Plus, he's not playing enough. You know, it's it's a problem for any player. If you're not playing enough, it's natural that your confidence is going to go. Yeah, Red Javi makes a point there uh, to Morif at AC Milan is homegrown. He absolutely is, and he's had a really good season at AC Milan again. But And who knows what kind but, of turmoil that club is going under. I mean, when, when you're know. at the point where you're sacking a club legend like Paolo Maldini because of differences in, you know, future outlook for... Maldini and Jerry Cardinale of uh, FSG Friends Redbird Investments. 
seeing the future for AC Milan going in different directions. So you sack somebody like Paolo Maldini. That's uh, that's. I read, I read something. I read something there. It'll be the first time since 1978 that there hasn't been a Maldini involved at AC Milan in one way, shape, or form. Isn't his kid playing there? I thought his kid was playing there. He's going. He's on loan to Spezia. Ah, that's who you're loan. So that yeah, Dan Maldini is at Spezia on loan. I think it's Spezia. 40, it forty-five late. years. Yeah, like, you Cesare Maldini. Before him, then you have Paolo, obviously, and Dan Maldini. I think it's it's absolutely nuts what's going on there. And apparently, he was fired because he disagreed with the uh, way the club was being run. I mean, at the end of the day, that's his club. It would be yeah. the equivalent of FSG sacking Kenny. Yep. You know what I mean? It, it's yeah. just a line you don't cross. Yeah, you have to you have to engineer a situation where they can leave on their own accord, even if it's oh, not yeah. on their own accord. You can't yeah, be seen mad. to have sacked him. So, uh, yeah, it's but I look, can't imagine I'll, that that went down well with the with the hardcore <laughs> Rosanari fans. Yeah, I I nothing would surprise me with what we do this summer. All right, um, what if I we love, don't sign anybody else? <laughs> yeah, we're having a different conversation in August, my man. <laughs> I think that we get four in genuinely. I do. I think McAllister is a great start. Um, okay, what I think will happen, I think Turan will happen. I think a centre back will happen. No, no, who that is, but I agree with you. I think it'll be homegrown, and I think a forward happens. I think it's suicidal going into a Premier League, Europa League season with five forwards, given the fact that Diogo Jota, Darwin Nunes, and Diaz. Have had serious injuries, you know. Well, Darren Nunes has had niggles. Uh, Mo Salah's rock solid, but you know, touch wood that stays that way. Everyone else has issues. I mean, we were we literally stood in shit the day we signed Firmino, Salah, and Mane because those three were made of granite. You know, it, it was ridiculous the levels of fitness and endurance that those three had. That shit ain't normal. Yeah. So the fact that yeah, the you, fact you cannot... the fact that we had Divakarigi and he just he only needed to be a bit part player because those yeah. guys never got yeah. Hurt. I I think you cannot go into a season with five forwards. Not if you intend on playing a front three. It's it's just wrong. It's wrong on every level. You wouldn't go into a season playing a back three with five centre backs. You just wouldn't. Yeah. You'd have to have six minimum, arguably seven. I think at, at a minimum, you have to have six forwards. You know, it, it's it's just a no-brainer for me. So I can see another midfielder coming in. I can see a centre-back coming in. I can see a forward coming in. Yeah. After that, uh, it's one in, one out. I, I kind of no, agree with I MP. I, I, I think Elliot might be used more in that role. Not in a straight, not in a straight swap for Salah. Like I believe like, he came on for Salah in either the Villa game or the Southampton game towards the end. Southampton game. Yeah, and played on the right hand side, but he wasn't yeah. he wasn't trying to do not, a Mo Salah yeah. because he can't. No, like, I don't just, think he's effective at it. That's the problem. No. I don't think he's effective at it. But I think there's a way of using the players that we have because this kind of goes against what Gavin has been saying of he wants specialists. Of We seem to be getting players that don't have a nailed-on position. Like the players, with the exception of maybe a guy like Lavia, who is just a six. 
Like he's just yeah. for being. I think Corner is the same. Corner is exactly the same. Corner is a six. That's all he is, and that's all he'll ever be. And he he carries the ball a fair amount for a guy that's just a six. Yeah, I I I just think the Bundesliga is different. Yeah, if you watch enough German football, the Bundesliga is very different league to the Premier League, and you see it by the amount of players who come from the Bundesliga into the Premier League. Kai Havertz, Timo Werner. Outstanding Bundesliga players. Timo Werner proved it by going back to Germany and ripped it up again. Yeah. You know, it's like. I like PW's comment. Who should we sign as a forward? Though? <laughs> quickly Google's top scorers in Holland and Portugal. I mean, that's, well, that's quickly, never a bad quickly year, Google it now. Quickly Google it now. But I, I just think that I think that backup role for Salah will be given to one of the kids. And it's, I just think that that's, it's not a bad thing to have. Like, even when Ben Doak had his small cameo with the senior team this year, yeah. got us excited. Now, granted, anything, Klopp could have gotten a haircut and it would have been more exciting than some of our results <laughs> around that time. But there is yeah, something to be wrong. said about having that 16, 17, 18-year-old kid that comes in off the bench that our fans are, you know, trying to get across the neutrals and rival fans of like, no, you don't yeah. know how good this kid can be. Like, I'm, ah, he's I'm all for that. Yeah, I'm all for that. Apart from the fact that you take you take the amount of football that Bobby Firmino played last season out, and you have to fill that void. That's a lot of games. That's a lot of minutes. That's goals, assists, and that's especially his goals. Because Bobby had a had an incredible goal season. Uh, Just to bring that back, because Bobby Firmino did have such an incredible goal season. Uh, there's a name that I know a few people have been mentioning. It was mentioned quite earlier in the chat by uh, Bonkers LFC that Gabri Vega is 40 million euros. Is this a good option for us? And this was the outlier that I was kind of mentioning earlier. In terms of his goals and assists versus his expected goals and his, his expected assists, he got 11 goals compared to six expected goals. He got four assists compared to two and a half expected assists. That's a massive outlier. Like that's even if you don't put any credence in XG, it is it does still have something of a mathematical base. And to get something that's almost 200 percent, twice as much over tells me that it just could have been one of those years where like because I I can't speak for where he got his goals. Like you look Bobby Firmino with 11 league goals and you're like, holy crap, Bobby Firmino got 11 league goals. And you remember, oh, yeah, he got a hat trick against Bournemouth. You know, I'm going to bring it in. I'm just going to bring you some stuff now from tomorrow's papers, okay? Um, Arsenal will step up their £92 million pursuit of Declan Rice with the hope of West Ham and England midfielder can join in time for the start of the season. That's been reported by The Telegraph. Uh, West Ham are keen on bringing Fulham and Portugal defensive midfielder Jao Paulinha to replace Rice with Man City's and England's Calvin Phillips and Southampton and England midfielder James Ward-Prowse also in the frame. Chelsea could also look to sign Rice with Brighton and Ecuador midfielder Moses Caicedo. It's been reported by 90 Minutes. That's as good as my Twitter account. Uh, nice of France midfielder Kefren Turam has verbally agreed personal terms with Liverpool, according to PoolTransfers.com. Uh, Chelsea and Croatia midfielder Mateo Kovacic has agreed personal terms with Manchester City, according to the tap-in merchant. Mm. Um Liverpool have scheduled talks with representative of Borussia Mönchengladbach, 22-year-old French midfielder Manu Kone from the Tapping Merchant. Uh, Real Madrid are working on a deal, a deal to sign Harry Kane for around £68 million. Uh, Put a one in front of that. 
Well, Spurs chairman Daniel Levy refuses to sell the 29-year-old to Manchester United. That's being reported by Marca. Well, they would, wouldn't they? Uh, Newcastle are exploring transfer targets from relegated Premier League teams, including Leeds, uh, with Tyler Adams in the frame. Leicester's Harvey Barnes and James Madison. That's in, in the Telegraph. That's actually could work out really well for them. They would actually fit Newcastle pretty well. Spurs are also linked with Madison. Um, Man City's German midfielder Ilkay Gundogan is a target for French champions PSG. Uh, Mares, Riyad Mares is a potential target of Al Halai from Saudi Arabia. Go get paid. Off you get. 30, he scores again. I didn't realize Riyad, Riyad Mares is 32. That's middle. Tottenham, Tottenham will need to increase their valuation of 20 million for uh, goalkeeper David Rea with Brentford ready to reject offers less than 40 million pounds. As well, they should. Yep. Because I think Mister, I, I just just to jump in on that, I think there's a market yeah. for keepers. I think there's a big yeah, market for keepers this year. There's Especially a lot of Spurs. big clubs. Spurs United. Yeah. United don't have a keeper. You know they they are going to need, and so then you get that cascading effect where like if if Raya goes like please please let Man United sign Pickford that would just be the most perfect awful thing in the entire world but like. There's no way he goes from Brentford for 20 million. Like, no, I don't think so either. Uh, there's an interesting one here. Leicester considering former Aston Villa manager Steven Gerrard as their next boss following relegation. That's been reported by the Mail. Zinedine Zidane has turned down an approach from PSG to take over as head coach following uh, the sacking of Christopher Gauthier. Spurs will ask Juventus to reduce the £35 million fee to sign Sweden forward Dejan Kulisevsky on a permanent deal. That's one to watch. All right, because um, Juventus are out of the Champions League, this are out of Europe this season, as far as I know, and so are Spurs. So um, if Spurs aren't willing to pay the 35 million fee for Kulisevsky, would you be interested in taking a punt on it at 35 million? No. No. No, I just, I think that money can be better spent elsewhere. I, again, I really think with how durable Mo Salah is and how much he insists on playing probably every single minute of every single game, mm. the backup to him, I, I don't think we need to worry about the successor for Mo Salah for two seasons. I just, I've got, I've got the faith and confidence that Mo Salah will continue to be Mo Salah for another two seasons at the least. And I'm okay with us putting our money elsewhere, because like you said, we've got some work to do in terms of center halves as well. So no, that's, I just, that was a, that's a lot of stuff. That's all. Look, if you, people want to look deeper into that, that's on, um, BBC Sports website, their gossip pages. So it's basically what's making the back pages tomorrow in tomorrow's papers. So yeah. who knows? Yeah, Laszlo but, says Kulusevski on his day is unbelievable, but those days are few and far between. Yeah. And that's for sure. Because, I mean, like, it's He had a really good start when he came into Spurs. He had a really yeah, good start when he came into Spurs. The only thing I'd say is... better than is, Diaz for those January oh, yeah. signings? Or he was on a par. Yeah. yeah, he was on a par. The only thing I'd say about Kulisevsky is it's very hard for any player to look good in the Conte seat, in the Conte team. I mean, Conte absolutely destroyed Hill Minson. 
as a player. Yeah. He's absolutely destroyed it. Totally. You know, so it, it just goes to show that the manager and the coaching methods and everything that goes along with that, you have to take into account what Jurgen Klopp could get out of a Kulisewski. And I think at £35 million, I don't think you're going to get better than him at 23 years of age for that kind of fee, personally. Mm. I think he's worth a punt at that at that level. If you were looking to bring in a forward and drop Cody Gakpo into one of your midfield roles. Which I am totally your, okay with that. Attack, attacking midfield roles and have someone like Kulisewski as a someone like Diogo Jotu can come off the bench, play in, as an inside forward. And it, you're right about Mo Salah. Mo Salah demands to play so much football that there is comes a point and an age of a player where Mo Salah needs protected from Mo Salah at times. And, and the big thing for this year, because it is the every other year problem with Mo yeah. Salah, is he'll be gone for a month in January for the AFCON. So that's... That's another bridge that we have to cross when we get there because none of yeah. the forwards that we do have, even though I think we're well stocked enough in the forward department, none of them really ever seem to fit when they're asked to play out on that right wing. Like it's just that's Mo Salah's spot. Uh, just one final little do I? Nah, I'm going to make it two final little talks about the kind of players we've been talking about. The best thing that I've seen uh, that convinces me that Gabriel Vega uh, from uh, Celta Vigo might be a good signing is FB ref says his most similar player in his position is as a And I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of that. And uh, the, the Turkish fellow Orkan Kochu Kochu that you mentioned. Yeah. Just if you're listening afterwards on a podcast download or you're watching now, just go to FB ref and pull up Kochu's numbers. K O K C U. And just look at his bar graphs because they are ridiculous. 94th percentile, 89th, 97th, 97th, 94th, 99th, 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 97th. That's outrageous. Like, yeah. I know nothing about this guy, but holy crap, are his numbers just as numbers are outstanding. And I mean, if that's yeah. one of those players that you can, you know, steal a march on, that's all good. But I don't want anybody stifling the development of, uh, of Harvey Elliott because I'm a big, big fan. And Chris Brack, this might be my favorite question of the night. He's asking both of us, if Madrid get Kane and Bellingham, is it worth a cheeky bid for Fede Valverde? I will yes. go first because I am hosting the show. I would want nothing more in the entire world. I think Fede Valverde might be the most perfect Klopp Liverpool player that I can possibly imagine now that Jude Bellingham is dead to me. Yeah. Like if you were look I, for me, if you're looking at Ideal, ideal world, ideal scenario. Players for now, I'd be doing Valverde and Barella, and I'd be sending a plane for both of them, and I wouldn't leave their house until they signed. And you know, I just think they're, they're outrageous footballers. In an yeah. ideal world, you'd be knocking on both their doors, and you wouldn't take no for an answer. You just yeah. write a blank check and just said, "Fill out the numbers, lads. Sign it, and I'll see you. Turn yeah. up at the AXA on this date and be fit." Yeah, we'll be yeah. Uh, we'll be going around like I don't know if anybody else has watched the uh, new BlackBerry movie that came out about the rise and fall of the BlackBerry cell phone. But that's how Jim Balsley of uh, BlackBerry went about hiring people from Google and stuff. Was like, how much money? Here, take it. And then he got charged with stock fraud. So hey, there's there's a reason why you don't just go ahead and do yeah. those things. But it's I absolutely adore Fede Valverde. Every time I've watched him in the last two years, he just impresses me more and more and more. 
Uh, and I think, and this is just another little offshoot here. I'm interested to get your take on how you think it will affect Darwin. I think Fede Valverde will benefit so much from having a new national team coach in Marcelo Bielsa. But how do you think that's going to, do you think Bielsa contain the stallion in Darwin Nunez a little bit? I think he'll only, he'll only make him worse. I think he'll be, I think he'll, he'll, not worse as in bad. I think he'll just feed Darwin. He'll be. Oh, okay. He'll be I'm part, with that. No, I think he'll be perfect for Darwin. He'll just like, El Loco is just going to make Darwin worse in all the good ways that you can make Darwin worse. I Excellent. think he's going to be a psycho. I, look, I worry. I don't worry about Brazilians going to play for Brazil. With Bielsa in charge of Uruguay, I worry for Darwin going to play for Uruguay. Because Bales is an absolute freak. He's, he's an absolute run insane the legs case. off of him. He's exactly. Him. And it's not what we need. <laughs> well, it's he not left him out, need. though, didn't he? For, for this I think summer? Because, I think, yeah, I think they're just being precautious with that. So I think that's all injury is yeah. a bit more serious than what's been let on. And mm. to be fair, he's had a lot of those niggly injuries all season. That's part of the reason why I think we have to be looking to bring in a forward. Diaz had a bad injury, right? And a, and a setback. Jota had a bad injury and a setback. But you had Bobby there. And Bobby's a safe pair of hands. Yeah. You don't have Bobby there now. And I'm not quite... Yeah, I would actually. I, I, I would. I'd go full Rio Ferdinand on Freddie Valverde. No problem at all. But yeah, what I was saying, when you've got Bobby as a safe pair of hands to come in and look after the shop as your number nine, it allowed us not to sheer not to have sheer panic when Diaz went out injured and when Jossa was out injured because Bobby was there, it was fine. Then when January came around, we got Gakpo and we were in a better shape again. But that is such a void to fill. And I don't think we're I don't think as a club, I don't think we've admitted or we're, you know, aware of the of the contribution he, Bobby has in the season. He said, we see the numbers and we see the flicks and tricks and what have you. But the fact that he's a bit, he can come off the bench for 20 minutes to go and you can trust him. Yeah. You know, the fact that he can start a game, play 60 minutes and you can trust him. Um, I think that's yeah, just, just because genuinely, like, I just think that's something system. that has to be looked at. Yeah. Yeah. He is the system, the system, or at least yeah. was, you know, we've now, it seems like we're evolving to, you know, uh, Klopp Liverpool Mark two. But that first iteration was Bobby Firmino. And it's, yeah. I, I completely agree with that. And I, it might just be not wanting to accept it, Kev. It might just be, I'm not, I think it's the first stage of grief denial yeah, that, yeah. you know, uh, he's just, he's not here anymore. But on the flip side, Calvin Ramsey did go get new teeth. So at least the amount of supernova bright teeth oh. on the team is staying. Couple of names that are coming in quickly before we go. Um, Tino Liveramento, cheap right back at twenty million. Nope. Yeah, I mean the thing is, he's had a horrific injury, and when you look at the two young fullbacks that we have behind Trent, we don't know what we're getting in the, the kid we got down from Scotland. We don't know, and you got the the other kid from Northern Ireland. Yeah, Connor Bradley. Connor Bradley looks a bro, he looks a proper player, and Klopp waxes lyrical about him when he when he talks about him. I think he needs another season on loan. That's why I don't feel like we would stack another fullback, uh, another right back. Uh, I know Chris is desperate to sign for us to look at left back, 
And I, I'm sure there's going to be a show in the next week or two that we're going to be talking about defenders. So I'm, you know, I'm not going to step, step on their toes when, when they talk about that. I think if we're looking to bring in defenders, I think defenders that we do look to bring in are going to be left-sided. I don't think they'll be right-sided. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, it's I, I think we did our backup for Trent work last year and, you know, through the academy. I, I heard today that Connor Bradley had a complete clean sweep of the Player of the Year awards for Bolton. Coach? Yeah. Coaches player of the year, players player of the year, managers player or fans player of the year, and Ramsey. Ramsey, yeah, Ramsey. That G ten comes in with a name there, and it's one that Shawnee is wax lyrical about. And I watched him during the World Cup. Very good player, very very good players. Hintape for uh, I think he's a Leverkusen. Yeah, Ecuadorian. Left, yeah, Ecuadorian. Uh, comfortable playing left centre back, not the biggest, but he's very. He can play left back. He can play left centre back. He can play. Orthodox centre back as well. He's quick. He's strong. Very similar to your man at Manchester United that they brought in from Holland, uh, Martinez. No, Martinez. Very similar. He's probably a bit bigger than Martinez, but not by much. I'd say he's about. Be hard not to be. Come on, he's like. I'd say he's about five. I'd say he's about five eleven. I'd say he's about five eleven. He's not a big, tall, strong, powerful centre back in what you'd normally expect from what we already have in Kanate and Virgil. You know, Matip is no slouch at six foot four. So like Hinsepe would be a different type of defender, but he's very quick over the ground and he could definitely cover left side and play left back as well. He'd be an interesting one, but I honestly go back to what we were talking about earlier with defenders. I think if we do bring in one, it's going to be a homegrown one. Yeah, it's, I agree on that. But yeah, absolutely. There's definitely going to be another show, maybe focusing more on defenders or uh, Kev will be spearheading a call for Gav to have a show about us signing a potential attacking reinforcement going forward, which I mean, there there's absolutely a show for that as well, too, because you keep, you've mentioned a couple times tonight something I'm a big fan of, and that's I I would love to see Cody Gakpo play midfield. I think he could do it wonderfully, but you need to fill that Bobby Firmino void in the team. And currently that role has fallen very successfully so far to Cody Gakpo to kind of take up that false nine position. So if we can figure out somebody else to play that role, if it's going to be Diogo Jota long-term, if his you know body is capable of holding up to that, that's fantastic. And then move forward with another forward. So there's plenty of transfer shows to go. Hopefully Gab oh, will no be back doubt. on. Yeah, Ga- hopefully Gab will be back on with another breaking news show tomorrow when the planes landed in Blackpool and the medicals are done and the contracts are signed and we're rolling out a Kefren Turam welcome to Liverpool with uh, Euro pop music blasting in behind it. So, but there's there's so much to talk about in terms of the players that we're linked with, but it's just good that we've got that first one done and dusted. Like you say, he's the first official signing. Transfer window doesn't even open for another couple of days. He can't be registered until the end of the month anyways. This is great work by Liverpool, and we're starting to see those dribs and drabs. So all the fears of absolute and complete incompetence that people had about our scouting and signing staff after last season seems it might have been a little bit wide of the mark. They uh, realized that they screwed up and left us a little short in midfield, and now we're getting down to business. Uh, speaking of getting down to business, just ask everybody – can you please hit the like button? We got a lot of eyes in here tonight. We had 400 and some people joining us tonight. Lots of new names in the chat that I've never seen coming up before. Uh, Kempachi, that's a new one. Mentioned the chat GPT song. Yeah, we mentioned that at the top. It's fantastic. But uh, I said to Kev, we uh, we need to get it with a Scouse accent before we truly know whether it's going to be a good one. 
hit the like button for us. Hit the subscribe bell or subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. We're talking about you, Red Steve. This is We have to mention this every show because Red Steve refuses to just hit the notification icon after he subscribes to the channel so that he gets a little alert that there's going to be a show tonight. Instead, he prefers to just phone Gav on his home landline phone number and ask him personally if there's going to be a show. But uh, mostly we ask that you check out the link in the show description. It's for our charity partner, the uh, women from the Dublin GAA Club that are running the Dublin Marathon, raising money for breast cancer awareness. We've been partnering with them for the entire season, helping them get their money raised, going towards their 20,000 euro target that they're going for. They run the marathon in October. They're out there training every day. If you got a few extra quids, pounds, dollars, whatever you have, head on over there. Just throw them a little bit of a donation. Uh, the big golf day is coming up, what, next weekend? Weekend after? I think next? it's next weekend. Yeah, it's coming yeah. up really It's really coming up quick. I think it's. it might be next weekend or the weekend, weekend after. I know it's in the next couple of weeks anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, there's going to be a, a, a ton of money coming in from that that's going towards uh, our charity partner as what happens with the golf weekend. You know, all the prizes and everything like that and the cost of doing it. That's going towards our charity partners. The women are also doing a bunch of stuff. But this is what you get when you're here on the LFC Day Trippers. We don't charge you for any of the shows. We bring you all this good stuff, good content for free. We just ask that you help out with our charities. So it's as simple as that. Kev, what do you think? We get any more news tomorrow on Kevin Turam? You think it's a goer? Yeah, I th I think there's got to be movement on this tomorrow. France under 21's played today, mm -hmm. so um, they had a, fr a friendly game today. He wasn't involved. He wasn't in. He didn't start. He wasn't mm -hmm. on the bench. So um, I think if there's got to be any movement on a deal for him, I think keep an eye on the next couple of days because oh. the, the noise is the noise is starting to rumble tonight from the source. The likely voice is coming out from France. Someone was asking in the chat, is that Tarabo or however you pronounce it, is he credible? Yeah, he, he's um he's a decent French journalist. He gets uh he gets an off he gets a lot more right than wrong. Yeah. So just keep an eye on what's going on tomorrow. Make sure you hit the bell icon because if anything does happen, I guarantee we'll be doing something tomorrow night for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean you said that there's a lot of noise. I'm going to use a little bit more regionalized, local metaphor for that. Uh, of where there's smoke, there's fire. So uh, there's much, <laughs> Good God, much, like, yeah. much like out here in eastern Canada and drifting down onto the eastern seaboard of the United States, seems like there's a fair bit amount of smoke, which means that somewhere in northern Ontario, southern Quebec, that there's a giant fire burning. So hopefully it's the same in Nice and Blackpool. We got flight trackers going up on Reddit and everything like that. It's all hotting up, and this is why. As much as we know it's silly season, we all love the transfer window. At the end of the day, everybody likes a good little bit of gossip and whatnot. So this is what we're here for. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. This has been No Transfer Knowledge. I think once again, Kev, we have proven that we don't have any transfer knowledge. None. Not a clue. None, Not Scooby. none, none whatsoever. So uh, the tap-in merchant can take all the credit for absolutely everything. But hit the like button on the way out, guys. Thanks a lot for joining us. We'll see you next time on the LFC Day Trippers. Adios. Sports Social Podcast Network.